0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Climate Conversation. I'm Dan Brissett, Executive Director of the Environmental and Energy Study Institute. My co-host today is someone special. Um, My regular co-host Emma Johnson is working hard behind the scenes to make the podcast possible. But today I'm joined in the booth by Miguel Yanez, Senior Associate here at EESI. Miguel works on a wide range of projects and programs at EESI. Uh, including our on bill financing work, our beneficial electrification work, and increasingly efforts to ensure that financing programs are increasingly affordable and accessible to more and more people. Welcome to the program, Miguel.
1: Hi, Dan. Thank you. Looking forward to hosting the episode with you.
0: Well, I'm excited too, because today's episode, we'll be diving into the NAACP's Equitable Solar Policy Principles, which the NAACP just released this year, and were endorsed by EESI. I'm also looking forward to hosting this episode with you, Miguel, because you helped write these principles along with our guest today. And would you be willing to do the honors of introducing her?
1: Sure, thank you, Dan. Denise Abu is a field organizer for the National NWCP Environmental Climate and Justice Program. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Management, an MBA in healthcare management and a health informatics designation from Indiana University School of Informatics, and is a Black woman foreign war veteran of Desert Storm. She has received numerous honors and recognitions and serves on several boards and advisory boards. Burraman leads the support for building rooftop and community-owned solar energy efficiency projects, just transportation and equitable goods movement. Model the Black Green Pipeline Initiative and provides equity and inclusion, clean energy policy language that ramps minority businesses, enterprises, fair chance, and geographic enterprises. So, welcome to the show, Denise.
2: Thank you so much, Miguel and Dan. So happy to be here.
0: Well, the pleasure is all ours, Denise. Let's dig right in. I know you know very well what the equitable solar principles are, I know Miguel does, but for the rest of our audience, what are the equitable solar principles and how did these equitable solar principles come together?
2: Thank you. So, yeah, I'd like to just give a little bit of background and then certainly dive right into the principles. In 2018, the NAACP launched the Solar Equity Initiative uh, for the purpose of increasing solar installations in communities of color and to connect these communities to skill training for solar jobs, all supported by strengthened solar equity policies. The initiative is centered on the civil and economic and environmental justice rights, connecting communities of color, and resource-challenged communities across the nation. And today, the Solar Equity Initiative has grown to include additional solar industry partners and clean energy advocacy organizations like ESI and faith groups and community partners that are interested in advancing the equitable deployment of solar and its benefits, uh, developing bold solar policy and addressing the impacts of climate change. Uh, there are eight uh, principles, and these uh, principles, they do everything from reflecting the inclusive and community-driven theory of change, really highlighting using uh, democratic processes and principles like the Hames principles and environmental justice principles that underscore emphasis on bottom-up organizing and being inclusive. The principal's uh, call for addressing past and current and future impacts of climate change by fostering the development of solar energy policies that will move us toward a resilient and just transition and looking at measurable improvements, making sure that there are strong consumer protections in place. Uh, Principle four is uh, all about increasing and advocating for resilience, such as resilience hubs and uh, making sure that communities and individuals are protected and benefiting from um, all the good things about solar energy. And making sure that it's cross-cutting, looking at housing affordability and clean air issues and education and transportation and working with utility as within the regulatory frame to reduce uh, rates and things of that nature all while infusing solar Principles six and seven are about integrating um, energy efficiency and grid upgrades and renewables and buildings and transportation, transit and electrification and storage. Principle seven is about Mm -hmm. driving both the economic and political benefits of solar to reduce energy burdens. And last but not least is principle eight which is all about striving for equitable, accessible solar that also delivers the net positive impacts uh, and benefits
0: to consumers uh, of solar. Thanks. Well, congratulations. Obviously, a ton of work went into developing these principles. The NWCP is a proud historic organization with a much wider portfolio of interests than environmental and climate issues how do these principles that you've developed or helped develop connect with the wider mission of the NAACP?
2: Well, our mission, uh, together with more than 2 million activists across the country, uh, we work to ensure political, educational, social, and economic uh, equality of rights of all persons uh, to eliminate racial hatred and racial uh, discrimination. So, these uh, principles fit really nicely with our mission that we want to uh, ensure the inclusion of frontline communities. Uh, data shows that African-Americans and other people of color are in high energy burden communities. And so how do we move that equity and justice frame African-Americans pay $41 billion to the energy sector in 2009, according to Blacks in Energy, but yet we only hold 1% of the energy jobs. Then also we have a a low adoption rate when it comes to uh, clean energy. Uh, So how do we make sure that everyone is benefiting from this green economic movement. In addition, we're the ones that are most vulnerable to the impacts of climate. And as we try to ensure people's uh, safety as relates to climate, as we try to stop racial discrimination, that uh, systemic racism that has caused the systems to make black and brown and poor communities most vulnerable, As we look to do that, we can also move clean energy, we can move solar, which will help with making the system more equitable and making folks more resilient and resistant to the impacts of climate. I'd also add that in 2021 that the solar equity uh, initiative that we developed these equitable uh, solar principles, and it was really to ensure that each of our organizations had alignment. What equity means to you may not be the same uh, that it means to me. And so we worked hard to create these internal alignment of these uh, principles and to come up with the shared understanding. And these principles can assist advocates and policymakers at the local, state, and federal levels to craft uh, policy solutions that are holistic in nature and can ensure that the benefits flow to Black, Indigenous, people of color, or BIPOC and other frontline communities. Also, uh, studies have shown that resource challenge communities and communities of color bear high, higher levels of exposure to pollution from fossil fuel-based uh, production. And communities of color and resource-challenged communities are subject to poor health outcomes, compromised education, loss of livelihoods, and loss of life as a result of exposure to toxins and the ravages of climate change. During this process, the committee also explored the idea around the 14th Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause, which prohibits the discrimination based on race. So this can present an opportunity for future exploration and an incorporation into our policy development. And so all of this truly aligns with the NAACP's mission.
1: Well, thank you, Denise. we were working on these principles, we had lots of conversations about how these principles would be possible, how they would be more uh, more fair and how they would be responsible for increasing the adoption of solar energy for, this, uh, for black and brown communities. So as, as you talk through the principles, can you go a little bit more into detail about how one of these principles And how it can be applied uh, to increase um, solar energy adoption?
2: Yeah, I guess I would look at maybe principle number four, uh, which is around increasing and advocating for resilience. That particular principle, I think we probably employ it with all of the various like solar projects that we're working on that we have across the country. As we know that the climate is changing, it has changed how we have more violent storms. We have more frequency in hurricanes and wildfires and flooding and so forth. Uh, when we see in Texas, when the grid went down due to the freezing. We know the fierce urgency of needing to have resilience hubs located in communities, and we know that they need to be placed in vulnerable communities. So when we look at the principles, uh, really all of them, we look to how can we create this resilience hub, how can we make sure that there's work equity as you're building the solar? And we know that if people have access to income, they can be less vulnerable to the impacts of climate. As people have access to food, they can be less vulnerable to the impacts of climate. And obviously, if they have access to energy storage Uh, With solar, then their communities can be more resilient. That hub can allow for people to charge up their phones or be able to go somewhere and not freeze to death like what happened in Texas where lives were lost. These principles, I think, are more important than ever to ensure that thousand beams of light, that we make sure that communities across this country and the globe are safe from the hazards of climate and obviously that everyone wants to participate in the reduction of their carbon footprint uh, and give people a chance to participate, whether it's, um, you know, having energy efficient housing. But if you're going to have community solar, if you're going to have rooftop solar, if you're going to have energy efficiency jobs, transit jobs, then we need to make sure that everyone is able to participate and benefit from this great opportunity, which is also one of our greatest challenges of our time.
1: Thank you, Anise. That's a great explanation of one of the principles and, and how they can all help communities of color and frontline communities become more resilient. To the impacts of climate change, which are becoming real, as you have said, we have experienced them in a, in a greater frequency this year, and, and um, you have touched up upon the, the example of the Texas power failure. As you have talked up through these principles, what what remains to be the the common thread of all the eight principles? What What is the element that connects them and makes them equitable and and makes them real for them to be applied?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I might first start to say that I think what makes them real is that first that some folks got together, right, with intentionality and got together with intentionality, I think, to create a a better vision, or to create some system change that bends that arc toward justice and and equity. Um, And so with that honest uh, intention in mind, these principles were shaped to be, I think, as inclusive, to drive um, change that will benefit uh, those that perhaps have not benefited before from a resilient standpoint, from an economic standpoint, from a uh, perhaps um, making the system uh, more just, less racist. You know, African-American unemployment, for example, is usually double. So if the unemployment rate right now is 4% across the country, we're at 8%. And so if I am living in a community that is food deserted with unemployed, dilapidated housing, uh, educational system that typically is not well invested in, these principles can help advocates to uh, be at the table with legislators and also to know best practices Uh, To deploy in these communities, what would it look like if we put solar on a public school and all of the savings that that school uh, would obtain that can go to that child in that community that can maybe now have a laptop computer that I think a great travesty right now is children that actually go to school that have no air conditioning. That are, you know, as the heat continues to rise. So, what if that school were saving money with solar energy and now can afford to install air conditioning? Uh, What would happen if there was a minority business enterprise that was contracted to put that solar on that school? Data shows that minority business enterprises tend to hire more Black and brown people, thus creating that job opportunity. What if we imagined that that family, that father, that woman, that mother that obtained that job to put that solar on, or was able to market that solar in the community for that school, uh, was able to now make a good paying wage job that can now allow them to have access to food, uh, whether they were to grow it in their yard or whether they have to hopefully get on equitable transit system to access that quality food and um, if we talk about intersectionality what would it look like if a uh, food co-op was developed where people could get access to good food walkable greenery tree equity uh, all of that and transit you know what would that do for the child jamal or or tania what would the trajectory of their lives uh, look like so i think these principles speak to all that, the, the possibility of equitable change, uh, just, just energy future um, for all, for those that have not been included, as well as their resiliency, their ability to thrive and live um, wonderful lives of possibility.
1: Thank you, Anis. that That is a great vision of what these uh, solar equity principles can provide as they're interconnected and intersected with other parts of the economy and other parts of the social social reality that people experience on, every, on an everyday uh, in their lives as uh, transportation, clean energy, food system, the air that they breathe, the healthcare system, the Uh, education system, all that is also part, in some way reflected in in these principles that they're not in a a silo, they're really intersected with other parts of the economy. As you mentioned, these principles have been worked on by advocates and by organizations that are are really grounded on the the principles of the Jemez principles and EJ principles, but I'm sure that other organizations and advocates have also looked at solar energy and how that can improve the lives of people. How can you see these um, solar equity principles connected to similar principles that other groups have worked on in, in the past?
2: Well, the most similarity that I've seen across the different networks that we then NAACP have connected with is everyone is with intentionality working on whether it's JEDI, just uh, equitable and diversity and inclusion principles, or whether it's some form of equitable principles. And I think that's important. And I think it's important for these networks and allied organizations to You know, ramp it up in as many spaces as we all possibly can uh, with our federal agencies, with our, you know, state and local, uh, with the sustainability person at the municipal level and so forth. And with organizations uh, everywhere in helping to embed, I guess, this equity frame and what it is and hopefully that we all have some alignment As we look at equity that we're all kind of looking at it the same, at least within this clean energy space, but it would be nice if it rippled even beyond that that we all have a very similar shared understanding. Uh, that it, you know, ripples into rural and urban, you know, so that we all see the our similar benefits for all of us, right? Uh, for all of us to have energy democracy is beneficial uh, to the urban person and it's beneficial to the rural person. For all of us to have access to rooftop solar uh, and getting a direct cash deposit for those that are uh, resource-challenged is beneficial for everyone, whether you're urban or rural, it's, it's equitable in that it uh, reduces ones or provides perhaps discretionary or additional income to households. So a parent can help send their child to college, plus they can reduce uh, their energy burden, they can do their part with, as it relates to their reducing their carbon footprint, All of us working on an equity frame, a justice frame, I think is important, and I think I've seen it in several different communities and organizations and networks um, across our nation. It gives great hope to know that we'll be able to ensure clean air, ensure less Climate calamity ensure more jobs so people can eat, feed their families, and 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 also do beyond that, be able to thrive. So I believe it's going to happen, and I have a lot of faith in uh, just organizations like EESI and so many others that are working tirelessly, you know, to make it happen.
0: That's so interesting, Denise, and I really love your points about intentionality. The idea that you and Miguel and others got together specifically to make this happen—I just think that's so important. That, and I think it—it um, it speaks a lot to the leadership of you and the NAACP to sort of convene that group, and then also takes a lot of commitment to actually see it through. Um, and so I think that's—I love that point. Looking ahead, so the principles are available online. Um, we've certainly used them in our work so far over the last couple months since they were announced. But they're not static. They're not intended to just live on the website, right? They're intended to be intentionally put into place. And I'm curious if you have thoughts about what you envision or how you envision organizations like EESI and others putting these principles into practice. How do you envision these principles being used going forward to help us all realize the vision for an equitable future that you just described?
2: There'll be infinite ways in which we can all use them. And uh, also it's a living document as well as not just uh, statically placed somewhere. Um, So anyone that feels like, hey, this should be added or this should be taken away should feel free to reach out to any of the SEI partners um, as well as the NAACP so that we can consider, consider it. And then, of course, it's uh, using it at the federal, state, and local level to move policy. It's also, as some of us have been working on deploying solar, uh, different types of solar, we're also looking at, you know, are we doing this equitably? Are we doing this in alignment with community and what community wants? Are we employing the HEMES principles? Are we looking at the so uh, it is a way in which to employ practice uh, in making it real or the just transition? It, it's a it's a great template for that on how to work in communities uh, on on this issue. We also have talked about it creating scorecards around it or uh, looking at uh, legislation that's uh, maybe moving or legislation that just passed, like uh, the one in Illinois, to look at how many of the principles that the Illinois legislation uh, maybe uh, met. So uh, it can create case studies, right, based off of the principles that uh, says, look at this uh, particular model of legislation, look how it aligns with the principles, and look at what has happened, all the benefits and really the reasons for using this type of template. Not saying that the Illinois... um, legislation use that as a template but if it aligns then it's like this is a great playbook for employing solar deploying
0: solar uh,
2: across the nation
0: well this has been a, a great conversation denise thank you so much for joining us on our podcast and uh, helping everyone understand where these principles came from how they were developed the through lines the common threads the commonality the intentionality also sort of what you see in the future for these principles. So thank you so much for joining us today. I know this is a podcast. It's an audio medium, but we're recording this on Zoom. So I can also say it's also very nice to see you today. <laughs> and uh, it's great to um, uh, have you on the podcast as a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank
2: you to EESI and everything that you brought to the principles. We couldn't do it without great partners uh, like EESI. So thank you.
1: And thank you, Ennis, for, for being part of this great podcast. And thank you for inviting ESI to be part of the social equity initiative. It, uh, it, ESI is part of it, and we continue to work. So, so so great to be working together and to see how we can continue to work on these principles to make them more, uh, as you said, to, to advance them into um, sort of policies or how to create playbooks and also, how to start deploying more solar for communities of color, for uh, faith-based institutions, and for how house, uh, for households on-site solar, community solar that can help them access and lower the energy bills, and also reduce the impacts to climate change.
0: Well, that was a great conversation, Miguel. It was so nice to have you join me today on the podcast. Um, I hope you had a good time, and hopefully, you'll come back soon. And um, We'll find a new way to uh talk about our on-bill financing work, our beneficial electrification work, and all the other things that you're doing here at ESI to help make clean energy more affordable and equitable for everybody. So thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you, Dan. Great to have a this great conversation with Denise and with you.
0: Great. Well, that will wrap us up for today. Great conversation with Denise. Great to have Miguel join us. I hope everyone in our audience enjoyed listening to our episode today and learning all about the equitable solar principles. If you want to learn more about EESI's work, please head to our website, www.eesi.org. Also, please follow us on social media at EESI online for all of our recent updates. The Climate Conversation is published as a supplement to our bi-weekly newsletter, Climate Change Solutions. You can subscribe by visiting us online at www.eesi.org forward slash sign up. Thanks for joining us